ladies and gentlemen, you have made it to Brave to the Bone podcast, where we explore the dynamics of human courage in its most dynamic form, personal transformation. What does it take to dive into the unknown of ourselves? Who can help us get there? How scary is it to face our own edge? And what are the magic tools that we can use today to explore ourselves on this journey of healing just a little bit more? Arsenio White is a realtor and videographer who can't stop his journey of self-discovery, his study of happiness, and the pursuit of being able to embrace and honor our inner wisdom. Such a fantastic conversation. You'll love it. Enjoy. Arsenio White, I am so happy to have you on the show today. It was wonderful to get to know you a little bit better and to hear about your story. Can you tell us a little bit about who you are and what you're doing now? My name is Arsenio White from Wisconsin. I'm a real estate agent and a videographer here. On the side, I'm really heavy into the metaphysical realm of spirituality. Can you tell us a little bit about your childhood and how you kind of came to get there? Take us all the way back. Where were you born? So I was born in this little, little town, about 800, 900 people called Carroll, Illinois. It was on the tip of the bottom of Illinois where Kentucky and Missouri meet. So it was considered down south. I was there till I was 12, grew up there. And my dad job ended up moving to Ohio where I spent the next four years there. After that, my dad job ended up transferring again here to where I'm at now, which is on the border of the top of Illinois and Wisconsin called Beloit, Wisconsin. Tell us a little bit about those cultural differences and how, and, and about your culture. So how those kind of conflicted, because that's such a, such an interesting dynamic learning experience for you. The first part of where I grew up, where I, Carroll, Illinois is the name of the place. It's primarily black people. So I had, I learned my culture as a black person. When I moved to Ohio, it was where I moved to Ohio was predominantly white people. So I got to experience the, the white culture and the differences between just the two different cultures. And when I moved here to where I'm at now, is more Mexicans here. So I learned about the Mexican culture. Also, it was really interesting because now just being a real estate agent, I connect to all different demographics now just to be able to grow almost have a new identity every time I would move to these new places. Yeah, just seeing the differences between how different different cultures are was amazing and it was put a lot in perspective for me. At the time, it didn't feel like <laughs> unusual because you just had to adapt. You just had to kind of adapt to whatever the new thing was. But I can see now as an adult how you have a greater appreciation, especially in your field, about being able to work with everybody. Was there any challenges, though, when you first went to Ohio and then adapted there? Yeah, even being down south, it's an accent. When I went to Ohio, it was hard for them to understand me sometimes because I had a big southern accent. That was like one of the challenges. It was crazy the amount of welcoming they gave me. So it allowed me to open up and just go and embrace 
every aspect of something that I never knew. Was it hard for you to drop that Southern accent? Because some people keep their accents for their whole lives. Actually, no. I think it was because after those four years when I moved to where I'm at now, people couldn't even tell that I was from down South. When I embraced just moving, I just took on everything. Like I just embraced everything. And I think my accent went along with that. You didn't realize how dynamic and versatile you really were. But from what you told me earlier about your mom, she was really, really an open person. Can you tell us a little bit about what she taught you? My mom was the sports mom. Like she played sports when she was younger and I did too. So we were fine over basketball or just being competitive in that nature. My mom was and is a happy-go-lucky person. She taught me one fundamental thing that it changed my life and it hit me at a time where I was battling myself pretty much. She always said, go out there, pursue whatever you want because if someone say no, they just say no. That's it. They can make whatever face that they want to. They can yell, they can do this, but at the end of the day, that no would just simply means no. Who cares? Because somebody else out there has a yes. That's amazing. (laughs) She sounds like such a wonderful, loving person. And I feel like we're so, it tends to be rare that we get someone in our lives that is that open and can figure out life to that degree. So, you know, in my childhood, my dad was like that. And it was, was really nice to have someone like that. Because then, especially if you kind of have that in you already, because we wouldn't want your dynamic, open-hearted spirit to get shut down. That being said, I know what was interesting is that you started to move into, with your family and kids, I know that you have a, a wonderful wife and three children, two boys and a girl. I know you started to, at one point, talk to me about how much fear you were living in with indulging in the mass media about what it's like to be a father of a Black family, realizing that you may not come home one day. Can you tell us a little bit about what happened there and how it moved you into where you are today? I'm pretty sure a lot of people that's Black are experiencing this or has. So just with the everything that was going on on the the news media, it gets so big with news, social media. And then at that point, you hear it from everybody. Just in a marketing sense, they say the word of of mouth is powerful. So you know that you're seeing this stuff on social media and then just hearing it from people, you feel that firsthand emotions. It kind of infiltrates you and becomes a part of you. After a while, I had this really intense fear of just police officers in general no matter if i saw a badge if i saw a car i instantly had a fear it got to the point where it was it was impending like i got to a point where i was literally scared to drive down the street or anywhere just because of that after a while i found this this book called the four agreements so in the four agreements It talks about walking around this labyrinth, which is like a maze that just turns, 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 and it like meets in the middle. At the labyrinth, every time it turns, you're supposed to forgive somebody that you have allowed yourself to hurt yourself with. Meaning, what did you take from them that you put on yourself that you are hurting yourself with? 
I was going through this labyrinth of forgiving people. Out of nowhere, the thought of police popped up. And it was like, forgive them. It was, where is this coming from? As I sat there and I really pondered on it, it hit me that in order to forgive myself, in order for me to be able to drive and be able to have a thought process of making it home, I need to forgive them to forgive myself. At that moment, I let go of that fear of not being able to make it home. Also within the four agreements, it talks about do not look up to anybody and do not look down on anybody. Because if you are to look up to anybody or look down on them, you start to exaggerate what the situation is. At that moment, you can look at people for an individual person. So along with that and the labyrinth, it allowed me to take a step back, remove that fear. And if I am in a situation, I can see the person for who they are, not just the uniform they're wearing. As a, a Black man, you must feel not only affected, but connected to, in a tragic way, what still is happening to so many people in the world. I know it must have been a tremendous feat, and you know you do it on your own for yourself so that you could live as a happy man for your family and yourself. Was it one of the hardest things that you have ever forgiven in your life? Or does it, is it something that you have to continually forgive day in and day out and choose to live in that place so that you can be, feel more free in your life? It's definitely something that you have to continuously do. So even after I had that experience with the labyrinth, if I was to go back there, which I will sometime, but I have that mental process of what I did. So now when those feelings start to rise again, you hop on social media and everything's blowing up, I have to go back to that place. Go back to that place. Remember that uh, this new agreement that I'm making with myself. I've looked at the four agreements before, but it makes more sense when you say it's an agreement that you make with yourself every day. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Are there other agreements that you make with yourself every day? Number one is to be impeccable with your word, meaning do things that are true to you. Don't go against who you are as yourself, because once we start going against ourselves, we're sacrificing ourselves, and that brings us down. The number two, don't take anything personal. That is one I use tremendously. That has to be one that pops up almost, no, not almost, literally every day, because we could take offense to so much stuff. As soon as we start to take offense to it, our emotions get riled up in it, and then we lose sight of our goal. So that's number two. Number three is don't assume. If you feel a certain way and you may think you know the way, just ask. You have every right to ask. Everybody has a right to ask you. And then if you do that, you are clear. You don't have to assume anything. The last one is try your best. This is like one of my favorites because it goes into detail. It says some days you will feel 100% and you try your best. Some days you will feel 50%. You may be, you may have a code or something. On those days, just try your best. 100% doesn't have to look as good as the 50%, but if you give it your all for that day, then you're good. I so love the way you describe these. 
And I think that the truth of the matter is, is that it's not simple, that every day you, you're challenging yourself to stick to these agreements. Can you give me an example of something that was a little bit hard or uncomfortable that you maybe got clarification, you know, maybe even in your work or in your life where you, you had to make yourself brave enough to ask a question to get clarification so that you didn't assume? Because I feel you, I feel, I take things personally. I mean, I'm human on a path of growth and it's so hard sometimes to pull yourself out of your head and realize you have to do something brave and then do it. Literally, when I got into real estate, I zero knowledge about it. Absolutely zero knowledge. The way I got into real estate was because I quit my job and didn't have nothing to do. And I, I end up meeting my broker in a basketball game. And it was like, well, I don't have a job now. So let me figure this out. That was the hardest thing to do. Sometimes it's still hard because there's so much I do not know. So I have to constantly get out of my comfort zone. I have to constantly go and literally figure out ways just to get situations and to get things done it's very uncomfortable but i always been doing some some type of personal development it says all growth is uncomfortable one other book i read it's called the seven spiritual laws of success one key component that really dug home you have to live in uncertainty because when you are in that uncertain moment that's where you get to the next level. If you know how it's going to play out, then you haven't reached the next level because you already know. That was huge for me. I'm the type of person that's like really analytical. I would try to need to know each step along the way. Sometimes that would hold me back because I'm just, okay, so when this, this moment hit, I do this. When this moment hit, I do that. If I didn't know, I would just halt. I'd be in like a stagnant state. It allowed me to feel comfortable with the uncertainty. Because also in the book, it says in the uncertainty, you just have to trust that you will find an answer. That's true whether you don't find an answer because you stumble upon an answer searching for it, or you learn something that you needed to know in order to get to that answer or you find the answer. Uncertainty is one of the things that I constantly challenge with. I throw myself in there. I'm so grateful that you said that today. I particularly needed to hear that today and remember that. It's similar, living in that uncertainty is similar to saying, you know, it's important to live in the unknown. And it's so funny how uncomfortable we are not knowing. I feel like if you can get to that place of accepting, not necessarily being comfortable, but accepting that you're in the unknown, having a deeper understanding of what that is, then you begin to learn what true happiness is. And I, before I ask you about your study of true happiness, I just wanted to talk about, you chose to go on a silent retreat. You were talking about going back to the labyrinth as an actual place. Can you tell me why you chose to go there and what it meant to you to go? I feel deep down, I'm searching for something. I'm searching for myself. And I feel like I'm stumbling upon it piece by piece. In order to do that, let me go inward. The only way I figured I could do that was by going on a silent retreat. I've been doing handstands every single day for four and a half years consecutively. And I did that because I wanted to get better at it. So I did it one 
each single day. After five, after four and a half years, it was wired in here. And I had to get away from that because I felt like in order to start a new journey, you have to leave one behind. I didn't want to necessarily quit the handstands, but I figured if I go to a silent retreat where I can't have my phone, and even if I do have my phone, I don't have service to post it, then that will force me to end this and start this new journey. That's amazing. So were people like, what the hell are you doing? You're going to go on a silent retreat? And where did you go and how long was it? So I thought about it like a month before I did it. And I was just online searching. I was looking for a three-day retreat. I didn't want to do anything longer because I didn't know what to expect. I want to do something more than a day. So they had a silent retreat kind of around where I'm at, but it's a bunch of cornfields. And I was just like, I want to go somewhere more, more spiritual. End up finding this lady named Michelle Duvall. She was holding silent retreat in New Mexico, two hours north east of Albuquerque. It's called Ghost Ranch. It's the desert. For one thing, you make me, I love handstands and I feel a lot of joy when I do handstands. So I want to start doing a handstand every day. And I never really related to a silent retreat until you described it in that way. It makes me really want to go do one myself. It sounds like on your spiritual search, you didn't turn to a background of religion. Did, were you raised with any religion? Did you have to let that go in order to embrace your spiritual journey? Or what did that look like? I grew up super religious. My dad is super religious. He still, he still go to church Sunday, Wednesday. I was the kid that did the speeches. I was in there until I was 18. Then I decided to go into there more so myself as a choice of my own. I started asking a bunch of questions that I did not get answers to that sent me away from the church. I just went away from it. What were some of the questions that really made you go, what's up? Do you remember or just in general? See, one of the biggest questions was I've always been a type of person that saw power and knowledge. I just look at the mindset. I was seeking knowledge, but I wasn't getting knowledge. And so at that moment, it's like, I'm sitting here and I want something. I feel like I should get what I want because they always hear it. Knocking, it shall be, you shall be given. If you, if you ask, you shall be told. And I'm like, well, I'm asking, like, show me what's up. I never got that. That's so interesting. <laughs> so it forced me to, to pull back. And I had this, this was my defining moment, big for me. So I said, if I need to figure out if this is truly a path for me, or is this truly a path? So I went the complete opposite, like complete opposite against the church wholeheartedly. And I said, okay, at this moment, if I survive, <laughs> nothing happens to me, then that's the principle I'm going to play on right now. And I just built on top of that. <laughs> wow, it's crazy. It's a crazy swing, but that's so interesting. Did you have a spiritual experience while you went on your silent retreat? Or when did you start to feel connected to the universe more and your own spirituality upon your search that was completely different and uncharted territory? It actually started because I, I wasn't planning on being spiritual at all. When I say I went against the church, everything, absolute everything. And I just started 
personal development. I just started growing my mind. I would look, I would watch this guy named Lewis House and his podcast. He have all types of guests on there. It'd be guests that's about financials, guests that's about neurology, just literally anything. I would just pick up just a few 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 pointers from these people. After a while, it hit me. It's not about the industry they're in. All these people have a certain type of mindset. I was just searching for that type of mindset. I'm just start studying all these people, even people that I didn't necessarily like the industry that they were in or agree with it or anything, but I liked how they would think. So I would just study them. After a while, I watched this one podcast and they were talking about energy within the body. And I'm like, oh, it kind of made sense because when I was younger, I went to massage therapy school and it was talking about meridian lines. And I didn't have a clue what meridian lines was. They were just like the flow of energy in his body. So that just stuck in the back of my head. So when I saw this person talking about energy, maybe this, this is a thing. So then I started studying how the body and the energy works within our body. And then that sent me on a spiritual path. Wow. It's amazing the things accidentally trip upon and then discover that. Can you tell me a little bit about that understanding and the energy that you feel in your body now and how you've made changes to kind of stay in touch with your energy body? Every day I get up around three or four in the morning. I take an hour and a half to myself. Absolutely. Just whatever I want to do just to connect with myself. It could be taking a walk. It could just be sitting outside doing nothing. It could just be something that's truly in tune with what I would like to do. If as soon as the day starts, I'm with the kids, I'm working, I'm, I'm here, I'm there, I'm there, I'm there. I did all that without embracing myself or giving myself that time. And it created a burnout. I felt distant from myself. When I get up super early and give me that time, it allows me to connect. And another way that allows me to connect is by people, people, animals, like a physical touch, a hug, just doing kind things and just seeing people smile. It helps me really connect because it makes me smile. People say everything you do is sort of selfish. Like, yeah, I'm doing it for me, but this is a win-win for everybody. I love that. And I can't believe you get up at 4 a.m. And I'm so proud of you for doing that. I hope that I can get to that point. But what I was really thinking deeply about when you were talking about the mindset work is that we tend to think of our own awakening with our brains as a very elusive, strange thing. It's not definable by anybody because it tends to be so unique by us. But at the same time, I started to think, well, what if we did think of it as a part of our mapping of our brain that we are developing? Instead of thinking of an elusive way of awakening, what if there was a part of our brain that wanted to be used for just that, for starting to look at things, shifting the way we look at our moods and our mind just a little differently? Yeah, that's funny you say that. I study people and I just look and I observe. The few people I do observe is my children. I just look at how they move and interact. So when I'm in a gym or anything, I would just touch my fingertips together just to register, like consciously touch them, just to register my brain with my body. Just 
so theoretically, just like one hand to the other hand or like this? Like that, that, like just any motor function, what I'm on and my theory is that we will start to redevelop those connections within the brain. And one thing I found out, your brain loves to learn. It likes these new things. It's kind of hard learning the new things, but once your brain has it, it likes it. So what do you think that is going to happen for you now? Would you like to continue in real estate or, or where do you see yourself taking this? This new understanding, I, because it feels like it feels like it's important for you to step into a leader that you were always meant to be, you know? Absolutely. I, I still feel like I would do real estate because, again, it just allows me to help people just to see the smiles on their face, just something that. I can do just to give back, but in all honesty, I feel myself being pulled toward the spirituality path, the healing path, showing people a new perspective on life. I find out I do have an ability to help people see things a way that they've never seen it before. That goes back to, I do a lot of self-analyzing. So if I was to make a decision, I go into myself and analyze why I made that decision or what influenced that decision. If someone else makes that same decision and don't understand why, then I can help them see the situation from a broader perspective. You were telling me about a deep meditation that you went in the other day, and it was really poetic what you said in regards to having kind of an enlightening moment about about understanding how we can perceive how others think of us so i was in a, a deep meditation when i get in those modes i like to ask questions and see what hits me or what comes to me i asked the question about negative comments instantly i saw like me putting a wall up it, it hit me after that it was like if you keep taking hits with this wall of negative comments, eventually that wall will fall on you and then it would destroy you. So it was like, what is a way that we could change this, change, change the perspective of the bad comment? So I saw somebody shooting bad comments at me. Instead of putting up a wall, it changed into wind. Negative comments are just gentle winds of admiration literally felt it on my face as admiration because when someone's commenting on your stuff or saying something negative again it's more about how they're feeling but the fact that they are commenting on your stuff means you garnered their attention yeah and also it feels like you're bringing light to our two dualities that were one you know being spiritual beings that are connected and wise and full of love having a human experience but also that we're having a human experience and that you can look at it from not necessarily a deeper mindset but you're looking at it from your soul's perspective or a higher the higher greater one's perspective of that it's kind of play what we're doing here and i i also wanted to say that I like how you continue to say, you know, I, I really like to stay in as a realtor because you love to help people. I see that too. It's like, 
sometimes I feel like we tend to withdraw from the world when we're doing a spiritual search, but it's true. We, we came here for the people. We came here for each other. Yeah, most definitely. It's, I talk about like therapeutic lifestyle changes and like service to others is one of them. Yeah, I know that I can serve people through spirituality and I can also serve them through real estate too because one thing I have experienced is a lot of people don't know what to do what ways to go about it instead of them getting a regular like real estate agent they can get one that's more on the spiritual side too so not only understanding their physical needs understanding their like energetic needs also yeah that's really interesting your wife is really into um, making candles uh, intention candles can you tell us a little bit about that because i think that's so cool and i just uh, wanted to throw her email out there if anybody wanted to buy these what are they like they're called intention candles. She has a couple of them, some called self-love, some called inner heart, some called commitment, like making one's commitment to yourself. She makes them, she puts certain crystals in there and it just helps you amplify whatever you're going for. That's so cool that she puts certain um, crystals in there. But it's a pretty big size, but they run like $25 compared to regular candles they're bigger than that and also cheaper and they smell amazing. Oh my gosh. So I'm just going to throw out her email. It's dream notion, which is N O C I O N at gmail.com. So if you're interested in that, you know, send her out uh, an email saying that you heard her on the podcast. What I really want to do is create some type of platform where somewhere where I can really connect to people more so on a personal level. Like, yeah, I have my TikTok going, but it's not as personable as I would like to be. Yeah, I found you on TikTok and it was so neat to find your platform and to see that spark in your eyes. Tell us a little bit about what you're doing on TikTok. On TikTok, I give out mental advice, things that I've learned just by self-analyzing that some people haven't even heard. And sometimes you just need to hear it to process it. So much information is withheld from us to the point where if we don't have the information, we feel like we are at a dead end. Sometimes just hearing certain words or hearing certain phrases kind of jogs your memory. It kind of puts things into perspective. It allows people to see the world in a different sense than they ever had. Almost like a paradigm shift. Yes, totally. And I just want to get all that information out it, it literally grows you as a person. It builds that self-love that's within you. If you have self-love, you, you will feel the best you ever have. Your personal happiness is the most important. If you ever done something when you're not happy, it sucks. It's kind of hard to do. Half the time, you don't even want to do it. But go into it with a happy mental state. You are optimistic. You're like... What? what what happened bad something bad happened i can brush it off because i'm mentally happy and that's what i'm I, my aim and what i want to do and what i'm doing on tiktok how do you grab their attention with what um what paradigm shift you're going to work with do you have a technique because i know people always struggle with what the first thing they're going to say because on tiktok the algorithm is, is if you don't catch somebody right away they're not going to stay on you know 
Sometimes I ponder it. I may say uh, just attention grabbing words or just something that would draw their attention visually real fast. And then I'll go into more of what I'm going to say. But other days, somebody just needs to hear this. And I don't really have time to try to figure out the best way to get it because it's like on the top of my head and I just need to get this out now. So it's like a teeter-totter between both. And I guess that's, for me personally, I like that because I can lean into the fact that not every day I have to do something that's going to grab their attention. I can just be real and authentic. Yeah, that's amazing. And then we didn't get to touch on um, your study of happiness. I know that when we talked yesterday, you were saying, you know, I've committed myself to really studying what happiness is. And I think that's essential in pulling together all the work that you've done is that choice to re-examine and recommit to it every day. Can you tell us a little bit about your discoveries there? I've seen so many things that's talking about or people that says, I'm, I want to find happiness. I'm looking for happiness. I would see those people and it seemed like they would not find happiness. So I, I thought maybe it's not about finding happiness. Maybe it's about studying happiness. I took the two easily comparable things that people equate to happiness and that's money. So I looked at somebody that's at the bottom of the economic scale and they were happy. Someone that was bottom of the, of the economic scale and they wasn't happy. Someone at the top of the economic scale that was happy and someone at the top of the economic scale that wasn't happy. So I said, okay, so this doesn't compare because you can find happiness at both levels. So what is this happiness that they are displaying? So then I looked at the actions, looked at the things that they were doing, look at how they would speak, how their mindset is. And then I started to realize, oh, happiness is a choice, a choice, a choice of looking for perspective in your situation and a choice to really dig deep and say, what's the what's what's the best outcome for this situation? I started studying happiness and I continue to study happiness and happiness comes a lot with gratitude. I, I tell a lot of people there's a lot of stuff that we could worry about. But there's also a lot of stuff that we could be grateful for. They both exist simultaneously. They're both there. It's just where you want to shift your focus to. I love using that idea of about happiness also with your concept about being okay with living in the unknown. You can both live in uncertainty and the unknown, but also have gratitude. And so I think that's where this sweet spot collides. And we were talking yesterday about feeling like we really understand that tomorrow is not guaranteed, that we have no idea how long we're going to be here. So the importance of of doing the work and doing it well, I feel like that's what your message really is. Yeah, yeah. Be here, be now, be present. I study the laws of nature, and it's this one law of nature, the law of gestation, which, which means it takes time for things to, to grow. It's like planting a seed. It takes time for it to grow. You plant your seeds today, be present, and you can be uncertain here. But if you are planting those seeds, if you're being here, being present, and just doing the things, hitting those markets you need to, eventually, eventually, 
your you will see the fruits of your labor. Just like with finding and seeking and studying happiness, yeah, you might not see it right then and there. You are studying it. You are putting in the effort, the law of gestation. You will you will start to develop your happiness and start to be able to choose happiness. Yeah, I'm really blown away with the way you've changed your life by saying wanting more mind fulfillment and choosing to look at things as a way of study, studying happiness and studying these things. And you told us that, you know, you let, you've been doing a handstand every day for four and a half years and that, you know, you get up at four in the morning and, you know, you give yourself that time. Are there any thoughts that you have in your head that, uh, that maybe self-talk that you used to implement instead of letting yourself derail and worry and all the crazy human things that can happen in our lives? Or is there any other practices you can suggest to people that are suffering that just don't quite know how to get to that spot of changing their, shifting their paradigm? I think I said it earlier, but I'm a videographer. So I am very visual. Processes that I need to get over, I develop visions of them. Like just as if someone was to develop a cartoon, I would develop a cartoon in my head of situations of how to get out of. No way. That's amazing. I'll go into detail of one that's popping up right now. So it'll be gates. And our life is like our life is like gates. And those gatekeepers are those bad thoughts that we have. So I develop like mantras or things to say. So if I do hit this gate. I have already thought about the process to get past that gate. Let's say something don't go the way that I expected it to, maybe in a real estate deal. That's a gate right there. At that gate, if I sit there, it'll start to, I'll start to feel depressed, bad, just start feeling down. I also got one of my gatekeeper words that open up the gate and it's called like, that's okay theory. It's like, oh, that's okay. And the reason I say it's that's okay, because I'm 28 years old. I've been in so many situations that I just got out of. Even if I wasn't conscious of how I got out of it at that situation, the fact that I'm here right now means that I got out of it. Just by observing, I'm just going to get through this one too. So at that moment, oh, that's okay. Wow. So basically, as an understanding of life is that you will hit gates in this life, but those gates will open in, in one form of another. So you're never stopped. It's never just a stop, end all, be all. So that's why you're like, it's okay, because I know I will hit gates and gates will open. I just love that. And I also have this one that I just want to share right now. I call it the incremental growth. I actually learned this doing the handstands. Because I couldn't do a handstand at first, and I would literally just do one, one handstand a day. Some days, if I had time to practice more, I would, but bare minimum, one handstand. And it taught me something. You don't have to put tremendous amount of work if you just show up every day and just do the bare minimum. And I was like, hmm, growth rarely is zero to 100%. Growth looks more like zero to zero, zero point one. You have to be able to recognize that and play on every single win and every single growth you have. I don't care how small it is. If you didn't go up and do a handstand today and you barely got up the next day, that's growth. And count that. Count that zero zero point one because if you start counting all your wins, you can easily look back and see how far you came. 
That's amazing. So it's like, I love that idea of incremental things and it is very inspiring because they're really small. Is there other things in your life that you do tiny? What else are you working on right now? I'm actually studying. I want to become like a mycologist. I want to grow mushrooms. I've been getting into like lion's mane. I haven't even tried it yet. I literally just started this past week. So I it, it hasn't even fruited yet. I just, I literally just got it. So you're growing the lion's mane, but have yeah. you been taking the supplement? I did take some supplements. I don't know. I just kind of wanted to try it for myself and see what it felt like versus taking the supplements. Because oh. sometimes I feel like the supplements is like, maybe, maybe not. Yeah, and it's kind of disconnected because they say a lot of times the deeper spiritual work with growing your own food is that it, especially if it's connected with you with your hands and the gardening and fertilizers, it starts to understand what you need more. It's like the whole ecosystem want is actually designed to support each other, but we, we're just so un- unaware of it. Uh-huh. I'm going to go, after talking with you, I'm going to do a handstand today. I commit to that. <laughs> and I'm going to go buy some lion's mane. And I really feel super grateful to get to know you. And so I really want to stay in touch. Everybody that's listening, just embrace yourself. The worst thing we can do is put somebody else's perspective in our head. As soon as we start doing that, we lose touch of ourselves. And I just want everybody just to harness that belief of going inward and trusting your gut and your intuition. And that's really beautiful. And I feel like what's hard is like this toxic shame that we carry around. Did you feel like you had to acknowledge shame and let that go? Absolutely. This this woman that was on Lewis House podcast, she had a book called Girl, Wash Your Face. Mm-hmm. It puts so much stuff in perspective with me and my wife. And we was both working at Menards at that time to the point where like I literally broke down and just realized who I thought I was and who I wasn't. Just apologized, just like released all of that guilt right then and there. Go inward, embrace ourselves, and girl, wash your face. You're going to be I guess I was that girl in that moment. Yeah, that's beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate this conversation. Me too. I'm grateful that you invited me. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like to make all my dreams come true, please follow me on Apple Podcast and rate this podcast, not only by giving it a five star, but by leaving a comment. Um, you can email me at thehealedhero at gmail.com. Questions, comments, anything you'd like to hear, I would love to respond to all of them. You can also join my Facebook group. It's called The Healed Hero Collective, or find me on Instagram at Tanya Brightwater, T A W N Y A, Brightwater.